You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. It's Wednesday, May 16th, 2012. Canine Nation is a regular feature column that runs on the Life is a Human online magazine. Life is a Human features articles about what it means to be human, the good, the bad, and the enlightening. This column explores what it means to be human in our relationship with dogs. You can find it at lifeisahuman.com. To get directly to Canine Nation, go to caninenation.lifeisahuman.com. A complete archive of all the Canine Nation articles can be found there. Hi, this is Eric Brad. This is a special episode of the Canine Nation podcast. It was suggested by my wife, Petra Wingate, who is also a dog trainer. Petra thought it might be fun to sit down and discuss some of the many facets of being a dog trainer. And just to make things more interesting, we decided to invite our friend, Darcy Jennings, owner and head trainer at Communicanine, a dog training business located here in Victoria, British Columbia, to join us. Petra put together the questions and plays host for this podcast. They say that two dog trainers can rarely agree on training issues, but the three of us had a wonderful time talking about dogs, training, and the things that make us laugh about dogs. We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast as much as we enjoyed making it. We're glad you're with us. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Petco, where the pets go. Petco, where the pets go. Pet Life Radio has tail wagging, fur flying, fabulous deals for our listeners from Petco. Get six dollars off your order of sixty dollars or more, and up to forty percent off the entire Petco site. That's right. But that's not all. Because you're a Pet Life Radio listener, you'll also get free shipping on your order of forty nine dollars or more. Six dollars off, up to forty percent off, and free shipping from Pet Life Radio and Petco to get these. These awesome deals go to PetcoDeals.com. That's PetcoDeals.com. Petco, where the pets go. I'm not much of a reader, but I do wish I were more well-read. There are so many great books coming out. I wish I could find a way to keep up. Audible.com makes it easy to stay well-informed and catch up on your reading simply by listening. Audiobooks from Audible turn downtime into uptime. You'll be more productive and become well-read. Now I'm able to catch up on all the great books I've been wanting to read. With Audible, I feel smarter. Pet Life Radio listeners, try audible.com now and get your first 30 days of Audible Listener Gold Membership plan free. And get a free audiobook. Choose from over 100,000 titles. To get this great deal, go to audibledeals.com. That's audibledeals.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. It's Monday, March the 12th, and I'm lucky enough to have in the studio with me today Darcy Jennings, who has a um, training organization called Communicanine. Darcy's been training as a professional for 13 years this month. She's got three dogs at home. All three are rescues. Two of them were adopted as an adult. One is a youngster. That's the cricket, the little baby. Uh, Darcy has a series of classes that she offers, including tricks, 
classes, puppy classes, she has a trail class, she's done some antisocial classes and agility classes in the past, and she's got a wonderful manners class that she uses to teach uh, families about managing their dog in a realistic environment. Eric Brad is the author of Canine Nation. He's got over 75 articles at this point that have been published. He is uh, also doing a weekly podcast and information, the science-based information on being effective as a trainer and building relationships with your dog. So thank you both for coming today. I very much appreciate it. Thank you. Good to be here. So I put together a series of questions for you, and I didn't give you a chance to look at them ahead of time intentionally because I wanted to get your off-the-cuff response and see what you thought as I asked these questions. So for the first question, I'm going to start with Darcy. Uh, and then if, if it makes sense, then I'll go to Eric, and you guys can both answer it or add on to it, or we can just swap back and forth, however you want to do this, if you have additional things. So, okay. Darcy, what do you feel are the top behaviors people need to teach their dogs in general to be successful? Hmm, good question. Um, probably the biggest ones that... that um the, the most critical ones that I tend to teach are come, like a recall, a good come command. Um, I love a good leave it command as well. Um, as well as probably, a re well, as far as behaviors that you can um, ask for on cue, a settle as well. Um, as well as some day-to-day -day stuff like, you know, food bowl management and being able to, you know, walk up to a dog while they're eating or uh, comfortably move around them or remove bones or toys from them. And um, so I think those are probably among the most critical at the moment, there's some there's some other behavior, um, you know, life skills obviously like teaching them to walk on a leash and not jumping on guests as they come and uh, <laughs> that kind of like stuff. Like our dogs, <laughs> but they all do. But um, you know, those aren't critical life or death um, behaviors as far as I'm concerned. I think leave it and come are lifesavers. Yeah. As well as you know, effectively managing uh, managing or, or um, preventing food bowl and resource guarding issues with yep. over food bowl, uh, food toys, etc. Okay, thank you. Eric, anything you want to add to that? Well, I tend to think of foundation behaviors kind of a level below what Darcy suggested, and all of those were great suggestions, but I tend to think in terms of uh, getting my dog into a mode where they can trust me for reinforcement, they want to work with me, they also know what their cue is, that they're off on their own time and they're not required to pay attention to me now. Um, that way you get a good working ethic with the dog. And I also train a number of behaviors like a nose touch to the hand or look me in the eyes just as a way to get some focus from the dog when they might be a bit distracted or they might be sort of scattered just to get them engaged again. And, and I, I think you raise a good point, Eric, because one of, the th one of the differences between the two of you as trainers is that Darcy is working with um, dogs and their people for day-to-day -day management, day-to-day -day living and life skills and things like that. And That's Eric, right. your focus tends to be more in, I don't want to say performance because we don't treat our dogs that way, but you're, work you're looking at a working a working history. There's there's the day-to-day -day living things, but in addition to that, we do work on a good work ethic and having an off switch and those kinds of things in our in our house. I like to think of it as sort of relationship building. Yes. That you have to have a relationship with the dog in addition to having good behaviors that you teach. Yes. What you teach is an intricate part of how you teach, but how you teach is going to set the tone for all of it. And I guess I, I would add to that, um, I agree with both of you, and in addition, there's, as far as life skills go, I absolutely have to have a weight. It's one of my mm -hmm. absolute pet peeves is when you go to open a crate in the back of your car and your dog dives out, potentially into oncoming traffic. So in my list of basic skills, 
you have to have a weight so that it ends for safety reasons more than anything else. So I add that to the list. I also agree with Eric though. I think to start off with, I want my dog to know that they can learn with me, that I am a, a guaranteed provider of treats when we're working together or whatever it is that's rewarding for my dog, that they understand that when they're with me, that, that the, uh, the learning box is open and it's time to move forward. We can do things together. Just to add a bit to your comment about a wait or a stay command, uh, I think that goes along with Darcy's suggestion of having a leave it command. Mm-hmm. I think both stay or wait and leave it are interesting commands to teach to a dog because they are among the few things we teach them that require non-action Yes. as opposed mm-hmm. to action itself. Yes. And I found with my dog when she was quite young, I taught stay first and it was very difficult, whereas she learned leave it very quickly. I think with my next dog, I'll reverse those because it's far easier to teach a dog leave it than it is to wait. So for a first non-behavior, I think I would teach leave it and which then is, move on to which stay. Which is kind of the fist close. We call it the impulse control game where if you have a piece of food in your fist and you close the fist, the dog can peck at the fist as long as they want to, but it's not going to open until they basically go zen and leave it. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree with that I'll as well. I'll see if we can find a YouTube link and we can tack it on to the end of the Okay, uh, I think that's a great idea. For that. Okay. So... We've kind of talked about what you think are important for your clients. Is there any, in addition to that, is there anything that you must have in your list for your dog? Like um, I mentioned, for me, I've got to have the weight. That's, that's an absolute requirement. What do you have for your dogs in addition to that? Uh, weight is actually also uh, critical in my house. Um, doorway, uh, like doorway manners, coming in and going out of the door. There's no rushing at the door. Um, not for the conventional reasons, though. Um, I'm not of the belief that your dog is dominant because they bolt mm-hmm. through the door ahead of you. Um, dogs just go through the door ahead of you because they move faster than you do. <laughs> and they're excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's incentive. There's yeah. something on the other side. Like, maybe it's breakfast time and we want to come in the house and eat breakfast. Um, so, you know, because I have three uh, medium to large-sized dogs and a very small entryway, and uh, a muddy backyard. My criteria is wait at the door so I can wipe your feet, mm-hmm. and then I let them in one at a time when that's accomplished, and, and in they come. Mm-hmm. Um, I also critical, I guess, for me with my dogs is just um, an uh, an ability or an understanding, an ability of of how to. Um, function appropriately in day-to-day life. My dogs come with me pretty much everywhere I go. They come to work with me and they go into town with me. And so just being able to be uh, basically essentially socialization, I guess, uh, not so much a training thing, where they can just be in any different environment and learn how to comfortably um, respond and react in that environment. Um, Given their own individual needs, they're all, Mm -hmm. you know, some are more comfortable in certain environments than others. But So I think those would be my... uh, my big ones also for my dogs. Eric? I think Darcy touches on it when she talks about socialization, but I need to condition my dogs for variety. I use a variety of reinforcers when I train. My dogs will be in a variety of situations. I need them to be able to to tolerate deviations in routine. Mm -hmm. So I like to make sure that we don't feed at the same time every day. I like to make sure that my dogs are surprised frequently during the day at different times or during the week with treats, that whenever we go to practice at agility, it's not always a treat that you get. It's not always the same treat that you might get. It might be play. It may be the ball. It may be tug. Um, 
a great trainer, Ken Ramirez, uh, talked about this at length at one of the Clicker Expos, that you need to have some conditioning for variety or changing something up during your training can actually inhibit learning in the dog because they're expecting a certain response from you, and when they don't get it, they have to process that. So the more variety I can condition into my dog when they're young and when we first start working with each other, that gives me more flexibility to train behaviors further down the road. In addition, I'm assuming that you're also referring to the fact that sometimes they get fed in their crate. Sometimes they're in their crate for parts of the day. Sometimes they're out. Sometimes they're loose. Sometimes we take one dog out with us. Sometimes we take both dogs. Sometimes we take none. And we, we try to mix it up so that there's no expectation that every time I leave, Rizzo's expecting to come with me. Absolutely, and that's why I say like to. it's tied into what Darcy said because <clears throat> what she's talking about with socialization is a tolerance for a variety of situations, a variety of different constellations of people, of strange dogs, yep. of known dogs, etc. And dogs need to be able to operate in that, and without experience, they really can't do that. Yeah. Okay. And if, if I could add one other thing, oh, I, sure. I also, with my dogs... Um, uh, Eric just reminded me that, or you maybe you reminded me with the kennel so I do crate train all my dogs and um, I think it's critical in my, in my lifestyle for them to be comfortable being in or out of a crate I also rotate which dogs being that I have three sometimes I take one or two or all three and I mix that up they don't all get to go everywhere together and even if they do sometimes they get quite often they get taken out individually and I think for my dogs that's a functional life skill to be able to, to not need and be codependent on each other. Uh, you know, I'm For surprised me. at the number of people that I run into who say, oh, I can't leave one dog behind because they're not used to that. They've always come together. If they have two dogs or three dogs, they've always gone together, everywhere together. So now you're, you're basically building in a separation anxiety to your dog. Exactly. And so I, I agree with both of you. That that's, to me, that's a very important point. Well, and that gets back to my point about conditioning variety. My dog needs to be able to relax in a car, in a crate, in the dark, in the light. They need to know that they can regulate their own downtime. Um, so what in your opinion, is the number one relationship-building game that you can play with your dog? So let Eric answer that first. I don't know. I think I don't know that there is a, I would call it a game. Any engagement in training or learning, to me, is a relationship-building opportunity. Because the fundamental thing I need to get across to my dogs when we first meet and get acquainted is that you can depend on things happening the same way. I use a clicker when I train, so when you hear a click, you will get a treat. When you perform a behavior that I'm looking for, you will get a click. And that's consistent, and you can depend on it. So I think that engagement, and I, I think that has to happen on a regular basis, two or three times a day, in short bursts of about five to ten minutes each. You don't want to overtax the dog's brain. But I, I think the game of let's learn something together and let me show you that life is generally rewarding if you cooperate. And there's tons of opportunities for that, whether it be out on a walk or whether it be learning to sit or give me your paw or whatever it is. As long as you're reacting to the dog in a way that's consistent and predictable for them, I think you engender in the dog a certain comfort level in working with you because you're a known quantity. You're not unpredictable. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's a little vague, but I'm sure Darcy has games. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not necessarily looking for. I, I think that's a good react. That's a good response, and I'm not necessarily looking for. I, I wrote game, but that's not necessarily what I'm looking for. Yeah, I'd have, to, and I'd have to say I'm kind of. I'm in agreement with what you're saying, Eric. Yeah, it's not that I do 
one specific um, game or activity per se. With the exception, what I do, two big things that I do do. One is I really do pay attention to uh, to observing my dog's behavior, to getting to know how they respond in different situations, what their natural aptitudes are, and then from there, the, what probably one of the biggest relationship building things I do is just reinforcing behaviors that I want. So starting to engage with, um, you know, like. For example, the new puppy, so she's bouncy and boisterous and off the wall, and so I want to build a relationship with her. Well, my best line, of, well, one of my best lines of communication is just obviously through food. So when I get behaviors I want, I reinforce, and from there, it's evolved into a puppy who is keen on you know focusing and working with me and. and um, by default, and then also by default, now I have a puppy who also has a natural aptitude for um, going into behaviors naturally that I would prefer to her jumping off the wall and using my house as a jungle gym. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a puppy who will now naturally settle when nothing's going on rather than looking for trouble. Yeah. As an example. So, And I remember Karen Pryor, I think it was Karen Pryor, who said that, you know, 10 minutes of clicker training is the equivalent of a half an hour of exercise, the mental the mental work there really exhausts the dog, which is valuable. So how much time do you spend training? Now, and I realize the answer to this might be different based on how old the dog is, but how much time do you spend training each of your dogs, Darcy? Um, it, it does vary, and it depends on the day. It depends on my mood. Um, some days I'm exhausted and I do nothing. Um, most days <laughs> I don't do a lot. Um, I tend to, and this is what I teach my clients as well, is training doesn't have to be a structured training session all the time per se. It's more a matter of you see something you want, you reinforce it. Mm -hmm. Or you take an opportunity where the dog's not expecting a command and ask for one. You know, give them a cue to do something. And if they're successful, reinforce. And if not, well, that just kind of shows you where you are in your training plan and time to, you know, reevaluate and and, um, revamp it a little bit. Um, With if I'm actually doing a structured training session, um, yeah, five or ten minutes would be the most. And um, I do find that if I if I lose myself in it and go longer, it gets boring for me and the talk. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I would say just a few minutes here and there. And um, if I'm out on a walk and the walk takes an hour, you know, I might be periodically reinforcing throughout the walk, but not necessarily demanding something for ten minutes straight. Okay, Eric. Well, I think it's important that people don't get the idea that there's a right way or a wrong way to go about training. Um, One of the things I'm very strong on in my column is that our job as dog owners is to teach our dogs to be successful within our lifestyle. And not everyone has the same requirements for behaviors. Some people don't get out socially very much with their dog, and so there's not a lot of teaching that needs to happen about manners at the dog park or things like that, where other people, like you and I, who tend to go to agility trials, and we have to have dogs that are capable of sitting in the car for hours, and they need to be able to interact with strange dogs, and I need to be able to hand my dog off to a, possibly a stranger, and she needs to be okay with that. So I think everyone's requirements for what needs to be trained vary. And I think people need to be careful that they don't expect too much and don't want to get too much done in too short a time. And so I think you need to gear the training to the dog, whether it's the the age of the dog and not trying to push too much on a, on a young puppy, or whether it's a dog that is new to your home and is still getting acclimated to you. Uh, to me, I think training needs to be another game like tug, like play ball, and it should be something the dog looks forward to. And when they see a clicker come out and a, a bowl of treats, 
Yahoo, we get yeah. to play that game again. It should all, almost be like something they're looking forward to. And so uh, I think, you, as Darcy said, you can do too much of it, uh, just like you can get bored at a party. Um, so you have to be careful to regulate that you don't let sessions go on for too long or do them too frequently. But I think as humans, the main regulator we need to look at is ourselves. We need to set our own expectations so that we're not pushing for too much too fast with our dogs. And to watch our dog's interest level. Like Absolutely. To make sure that we're not losing them or they're, they're disconnecting or they're getting disappointed. I, you know, I try with Rizzo to do something every day if I can with him because he's an active dog, a very busy, busy, busy dog. Um, and I'm working on a lot of different things right now with him. I mean, we, we have some tracking that we're doing we're taking tracking classes, we're taking rally classes, we're working on agility classes. Um, and I think that it's it's good to have uh, um, things to focus on and try. But like you said, I think it's important that I you don't overdo it with the dog. Mm-hmm. When I come to, as soon as I grab my clicker upstairs, Rizzo is flying down the stairs to come down here into the basement because he can't wait to work. And I've had to add, in his situation, I've actually had to add an end of training signal to him. Otherwise, he just stands here and he won't come upstairs with me. So I'll have to say all done, and then we go upstairs together. So it's you know it's really interesting having a dog that likes to work like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what what is the hardest challenge you've had with your own dog as a trainer, and how did you overcome it, or how are you working to overcome it, Eric? Uh, probably the hardest challenge I had with my dog. Um, it was actually a situation that I didn't anticipate. We worked very hard when Tira was quite young at agility and lots of reinforcement and getting her to enjoy the game. Um, and so the equipment pretty much became a reinforcer for her. And then I would bring her to a start line and expect her to stay. And that was the challenge. She knows I'm about to ask her to go and do something she loves, but why does she have to wait? So we struggled with that for about a year, and I had to make a decision whether I was going to really push for that stay when I said stay or make an accommodation. Now, for me, staying at the start line and agility is not the same as staying at the doorway in my house when a guest is arriving. So given the difference in the context, I decided not to push for the stay at the start line. And so the way I dealt with that was... I adjusted my expectations of her and I changed my style of handling so that we didn't need to have a stay at the start line. And instead, I devoted my energies for stay to very high reinforcement in potentially life-threatening situations. Okay. Uh, Very rare that my dog is going to have her life threatened on an agility course. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. How about you, Darcy? Um, I would say, you know, my biggest challenges with my dogs all... I mean, and there, there are specific behaviors I can think of. However, those aren't necessarily the challenges. The challenges to me are my own, I'm my own challenge, where I come up against a, a problem with the dog and I lose my patience in dealing with it or I f- lose my focus or forget that I haven't taught the dog the appropriate skills to handle something. Um, I would say, you know, I'm my biggest obstacle and I get frustrated and sometimes I even just forget or or I might come up against an unusual circumstance I haven't come across before and I don't have a solution for it in that moment and it takes me a while to research and find an answer to it. And uh, so, I mean, those would probably be my biggest challenges. Um, you know, for ex- you know, for example, just to give you specifics, I have a, a hunting dog, uh, a Brittany Spaniel, whose drive is to point and hunt, and uh, or point and track and seek game. 
and uh, I am not a high-valued reinforcer to her and in that in that environment and so one of my challenges um, has been and still is we're revamping the training program here how do I overcome that challenge and make myself more valuable to her in that environment yeah so you know and and uh, I love it because they always when you overcome one challenge you usually get another one <laughs> yes <laughs> and yes. Uh, but uh, you know I think they become easier and easier to to, to work through um, as time goes by but and I actually agree with something that you said, Darcy. I think for me right now, my biggest challenge is assuming, because I've taught it to Rizzo, that he's got it. Yeah. Because he's not the first dog I've done many of these things with, I think, oh, okay, well, we've covered X. And then we get somewhere, and I'm thinking, I really didn't spend very much time with him at all. I don't know why my expectation is that he'll understand all of these things and in context. So it's been interesting. It's been an interesting process for me. Definitely. And being objective, I think, is really a big challenge. Being objective yeah. about what your dog really understands and how much time have you really spent training it. And, yeah. you know, that's, I mean, that's something I classically see with my clients, too, is over-expectation, like high, high expectations for a skill that they haven't spent any time yes. reinforcing. Absolutely. I, I think we see the same thing in, in the training that we do with agility. People expect that, well, I've gone over this jump twice, so my dog must understand what it is to jump. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is the last question I have about you guys as trainers with your own dogs. And my question is, Darcy, what cracks you up about your dog or dogs? <laughs> oh, my God. What doesn't crack me up? <laughs> um, oh, my God. Which, let me think of a dog. The, you know, Nala, my Roddy mix is just... Um, a hoot and just desperate to to anything she can do to get cookies anything anything at all you know so she makes me laugh and how she will show up every time I say the puppy's name <laughs> because, <laughs> because the puppy there's food there's food involved every time I say the puppy's name because I'm still conditioning that so even though she doesn't get paid for it she's hopeful every time <laughs> uh, and the puppy always makes me laugh because she she's always throwing new challenges at me and uh, you know I, I make one little mistake and she ro she rolls with it and now oh, yeah. I've just had to you know, undo a whole bunch of, you know, I, I could have just, if I had been conscious of what I was doing, I wouldn't have had to go through an untraining process. But, mm -hmm. um, um, so I don't, I can't necessarily identify specific behaviors in all of them all the time, but they just, just working with them makes me laugh. How they perceive what I'm teaching them makes me laugh, especially when I think I'm in, in, um, teaching it a certain way and, and their behavior demonstrates to me that they're interpreting it completely yeah. differently <laughs> than yeah. what I'm trying to get across than the message I'm trying to get across. So, yeah. How about you, Eric? Uh, I think all of our dogs have cracked me up for different reasons. But just to focus on the two we have now, because both were operant trained and clicker trained when they were very young, um, Tira, I, I've, I've often heard people compare dogs to three-year-olds. And Tira definitely has all of the guile of a three-year-old, uh, by which I mean not very well. <laughs> she's not, <laughs> not really subtle. good at it. No. <laughs> so she's continually trying to work angles to get food somehow, and it's interesting to see how she does that. I did an article about one morning when we came out of the bedroom, and we had left her food bowl down from the night before, and she sort of ran over to the food bowl and stuck her nose in it and looked at me as if to say, Hey, what do you think? A little bit of food, huh? What do you think? And uh, I just ignored her, and she would run around and look at me and smile and wag her tail and then go to the back to the bowl and look and smile. And, hey, what do you think? And she's developed a thing around dinner time now where she'll play with Rizzo for 30 seconds and then say, Okay, now food. Look, I've been good. <laughs> and that's a big change from six months ago where she would come in the room and stare at you. 
in hopes that that would work with those laser beams. And, and her latest thing now is when I come up from downstairs in the evenings, she stands next to the cookie jar in hopes that on the way by, I'll see her standing there and feed her something. Yeah. And, and Rizzo is just a whole separate ball of of things. He's he's just the biggest goofball ever, and it's fun to watch. Yeah. As he taunts my dog now. He's currently taunting. Um, he cracks me up because he'll grab a toy and jam it up into the back of my calf and then wrap his paws around me. And if you're not prepared for it, you can easily do a face plant oh with this God. toy wrapped around your leg. But yeah, they're all they're all little characters and I think they all make us make us laugh. Let's just take a little break here so I can flip my pages around. Sure. And that was the first half of our roundtable trainers discussion. We hope to bring you the second half very soon. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Canine Nation. You can find the text version of it at caninenation.lifeisahuman.com. You can join our discussion about dogs and dog training on Facebook. Just search for Canine Nation to get to our group. You can ask for membership and we'll add you to our growing family. If you can spread the word about the podcast or link to our caninenation.lifeisahuman.com page, we would certainly appreciate it. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Introducing the new Brett Michaels Pets Rock Collection, exclusively at PetSmart. I created it for the pets that rock your world. Shop the Brett Michaels Pets Rock Collection and celebrate PetSmart's 25th anniversary with up to 25% off thousands of items on the PetSmart site. Plus free shipping on orders of $49 or more. Go to PetSmartDeal.com. That's PetSmartDeal.com. P-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-D-E-A-L.com.